If you have two or three good friends in your life, you're blessed. If those friends are go-to prayer partners, you are a very rich person. And if you've yet to build a bond like that with a few other followers of Jesus, I encourage you to do so. But if you haven't and you feel like you're in it alone, I want to tell you you're not alone. Somebody's praying for you. That's what I want to talk about this morning in this third message in our series, Travel Pack. We are almost already through one month of 2022, right? But, and so this series, um, it's about placing in your heart for your walk forward infallible truths that, um, that are close at hand, that you can bring back out in moments of navigation, hardship, hard times, because we are in a walk of faith, but it isn't a stroll through the down easy street, is it? It's kind of like upstream in a downstream world. It's like, it's not always easy. And there are moments where we need to grab a hold of something and anchor. So I've been asking the Lord to help me uh, impart these messages to you that you and I can pull out and bring out in front of us in the days ahead. And today, here's one. My hope is that as you leave here today, the Holy Spirit will press into your faith the truth that somebody's praying for you. If perhaps you haven't built a prayer team around yourself, and, and you've not yet shifted your person into a high gear of being a people person, regardless of what your personality is this year, it's time to do that. Um, the world is going to get darker, but the glory of God's going to get brighter in his people, with his people. And being in a caravan of the faithful is an absolute must. It always has been, but it really is an absolute must. Everybody doesn't need a cell phone, but everybody needs a buddy. Yeah. And everybody needs to be in a body of believers. So we can have people around us. And if you would love to have somebody around you... Um, that's what we'd love for you, too. Um, regardless of your personality type, if you're a, an extrovert or an introvert or somewhere in between vert, it's so important to have a bond of brothers, a, a band of sisters, uh, people praying with you, praying for them, praying for you. But if you don't have that yet, I want to tell you there are at least three already. God the Father... God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I want to talk to you about the fact, this is a fact, they are already in on it for you and for me. One more time, will you pray with me? You're already here, we thank you. It's a mystery that I'll never stop marveling over. It's like when Luke told us, the power of the Lord was present to make the sick people well. 
You've stirred the waters today. It's already noted. And we want to walk on those waters. I want to recognize you not only what we've done, but what I'm doing. And I don't want to just do something. I want all eyes to be on you. And that you would take your quickening power and regardless of where we are in this journey, we would become actualized to the real presence of your love for us. And in this word that's your word, I want to steward it well and yield and lean on the teacher, the Holy Spirit, for me, for them, for your glory in Jesus' name. Romans 8, 26 and 27. Romans 8, 26 and 27. Paul is uh, in, the, in one of the great chapters of the Bible. I've, I've wanted to someday do a, a sermon on, a series on the great chapters of the Bible, and then three years later we'll get back to something else because there's a lot of them. But this a great chapter, Romans 8, it's one of the best. And, and, and after he's talked about walking in the Spirit, he talks about... Uh, the, the world and how it's, it's like the creation is groaning and, and, it's, and there's a suffering in the world and the suffering even among believers and, and he talks about that. And in the context of that, he talks about the helper, the Holy Spirit, and that's where we are here. In 26, he says, in the same way, in the midst of this journey, in this travel ahead, the Spirit himself also, I'm sorry, I jumped ahead of myself, the Spirit also helps our weakness for we do not know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. I want to talk to you about the one who's praying for us. And I want to pull a couple words out of here. And the first word I want, you to, I want to pull out is the word helps. Uh, in the midst of our groaning and our struggles and our sufferings and what we go through and what we wish we weren't going through, um, the Spirit helps us. This word helps in the Greek is a 17-letter concoction of a word. I'm going to try to pronounce it. Sunantilimbanamai. One word. 17 letters. Sunantilimbanamai. Now, if you're ever on Jeopardy, and that comes up, you can remember where it came from. And when you win it all, Remember me. Sinto, sin anti lambanumai. It means to take hold along with something. To step in and take hold. That's what the Spirit does. He comes into our space and embraces us and takes hold of us with grace. We're in talking about a more precise reason why here. He does it because of the next word, weakness. He, he, he comes up and takes hold in my weakness, particularly of not always knowing how to pray. Raise your hand if you've got that one down pretty well. Yeah, come on. Only four? Well, then the rest, will you please pray for me? Because my prayer life, I don't know, like others maybe, I'm praying three seconds after in. I don't know what else to do or say sometimes. And other times I'm wanting to really get in it. And then I think, I'm not praying with passion like 
probably the Apostle Paul does. So I bet God's probably going, oh, geez, he don't play with passion. And the devil says, that's right, that's right, that's right. Or he throws that idea and I go, that's right, that's right. Oh, squirrel. And I, or, I, or I'm like, Lord, I'm just going to enter in. I want to forget all things. I don't want to go to everything. And I'm thinking, market list. You have to have a this. And you got to, is that, you know what I mean? Or like really gets hard and you don't know. And you're like, God, I need to know. Please show me. Give me a sign. And then you, eh. and there's no sign. Or at least you don't know if there's a sign. You think, how? And, and it's like, here's, here's, here's your roof of your house, and here it is. And you pray, and it doesn't even hit the roof, let alone bust in the roof and fall back down in your lap. Have you ever felt like that when you prayed? Or you prayed and you wondered, did it go anywhere? I shot an arrow in the air, and it came back and landed at my feet and said, he's not there. I mean, have you ever felt that way? Paul is saying that's kind of normal. And, he, and it's a weakness in us, in the best of us, in the worst of us, in all of us, in the Bible club people, all of us, even in the intercessors. It's that sometimes. We don't know. And so he soon te lambanomies me and you. And he helps me and he knows my weakness. And this word weakness means not having the ability or capacity within to attain, achieve, and acquire. So we don't have the ability to pray through. We don't have the ability to storm the gates of hell and turn the world upside down for Jesus. But he does. And he is right there. Helping us in our weakness. And the other word I want to pull out is the word intercedes. And, and I love how he says, first he says the spirit, then he says the spirit himself. It's not a spirit, it's the spirit himself. Intercedes. Entungano. Huper entungano. Stay with me. Entungano. It means to fall all in with. You're at the casino table uh, out there, and you know you've got the winning hand, and you got the chips, and you just, you're all in. You're going to win. Huper engondano. It means hyper engondano, whatever that means. The Holy Spirit is not only all in, he is super all in. It's where we get the word hyper from, like uh, hyperdrive, hyperspeed, or the word super from, like Clark Kent is Clark Kent, but then he's Superman, right? Or like I went to a bowl game, and the, but I went to the Super Bowl, right? That's this word. He is super intensive falling in to your weakness when you pray. He super intensely takes what we don't know and don't know how to express, and he embraces me in that. He takes my prayer, he takes my dream prayers, my vision prayers, my dreaded situation and I'm trying to express to God and I don't even know what to say prayers, my fear prayers, my worry prayers, my anxiety prayers, my faith prayers, and my worship prayers. And regardless if you feel like you're entering in when we're worshiping, you know what he's doing? 
When we do it, he is saying, supersize that, God. Supersize that. Somebody is praying for you with groanings. Stengamos. It means deep sighs. I looked up here this morning and I saw people move to this altar. I'm so thankful that Dustin and the team was sensitive to that. And, you know, I was watching them pray. And, hey, a couple of weeks ago, um, I, I cracked my sternum. Uh, hit, I, a, a, a light post moved from where it was supposed to be and, and jumped right out in front of my car and embedded itself eight feet in the ground so it made itself unmovable, and I hit it without breaking. I fractured, I know, right? I fractured my sternum. Somebody was nice enough to bring me four cupcakes this morning. I can only eat one of them unless I want to look like four cupcakes, but, uh, but I watched people come around people, and uh, I saw their expressions on their faces match the expression on the face of the person that was really reaching out with deep sigh. And that's a picture of what he does. Stengamos. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew, but when Alexander the Great took over the world and coined it, meaning he, he made the whole world speak a common language, which was Greek, they translated the Hebrew scriptures into the Greek language because all the world was speaking Greek. And all these outstations of synagogues in the pagan world were all speaking the language of the pagan world so they could hear the language of God. It's called the Septuagint. In the Septuagint, which puts the Greek language in the Old Testament, when God comes down to Moses, he says, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt, and I have heard their stengamos. I have heard their deep sighs. And so I have come down. We have that God in the spirit himself in us now feeling that. And not only God comes down to meet the spirit, they feel the same thing about your deep sighs that you can't even articulate, nor I, but the Spirit himself falls all into that and lifts that to God who is perfect knowledge and feels exactly even beyond what you feel about it. Raise your hand if you think that's pretty good. You think that's good? Not that I'm good, but isn't it good to know that about God? And then, and then he adds in the, in, the, in the rest of the verse, and he who searches the heart... So, we have a prayer partner named the Holy Spirit in us, himself. And the Father is the he here. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because the Spirit, once again, is falling in, supersizing the prayer, whatever we're praying and however we're praying it, even if we're not even praying it correctly or we're out of tune with it, he supersizes it to get it into an accordion, uh, into, in, into an accord, into line up with the will of God. That's what's going on. 
And we haven't even talked about people adding into our prayer team yet. We're talking about, I mean, if I had to choose. And he who searches the heart knows the mind of the Spirit. He intercedes for the saints. That's you and me. Everybody in Christ in the blood is a saint. That's right. And he, the second one, God the Father, gets it. The Spirit's all in. Where is the Spirit? He's in the heart of me. He's in the heart of you. Isn't that something? The Spirit himself. And the Father searches the heart. So, whatever situation I'm in, however I'm feeling about it, however I'm not feeling about it, whether I'm feeling what I'm supposed to feel like, what good Christians are supposed to be like, regardless, he is the best Christian in me. The best Christian in me is the Holy Spirit. Me? No. This thing is not about God trying to Christianize my fallen me. I'll never be Christianized. It's Christ in me. So the will of God. So the person groaning, the person praying, the person seeking, the person wondering, the person tempted to wander, uh, the person struggling, the person, every one of us does not have, we're weak. Paul said, I'm writing this because you're weak in your natural selves. Without the ability to discern, without the ability to make the right request, when I cannot speak my heart, he can always speak his mind. So, next slide. To sum this up, here's what I'm saying. As we travel ahead, it's good to know who is praying for you and how that who is praying for you. I want to dive in deeper into this. I'll call it the Trinitarian Prayer Partnership. The Trinitarian prayer. Why do we need this? Here's the good news for me. Here's the good news for you. We need this because we have limits. We have limitations in how we think and how we discern and how we see, how we feel, what we can be. The good news is he doesn't. And he has covenanted to help. He, the three. The three of he has covenanted in to help. You know why? You know why? Because he loves us. And I want to write the word love there. I want, I just, he, he emoji hearts us. You know when people send you an emoji heart, I mean, they're all in. Right? I think we can overdo the emoji heart sometime. You know, it's like, I mean, make it count. And this one's real. And not only that, but the Trinity has purposes for us. Here's something else to think about. Let's go on the next one. They know the depths of each other and each of us. In Romans 8, it says, he who searches the heart knows the mind of the spirit. Uh, That word for searching there is the word eriano. It's the same word Paul uses in 1 Corinthians 2, When Paul says the same word, he says, the Spirit searches the deep things of God and then makes them known to us. The deep things of the Father. The Spirit in us searches the deep things of God. Same word that he uses in Romans 8 that says, the Father 
searches the mind of the spirit. Same word. It's a, it's a, it's a nautical term in the Greek language, meaning uh, where, where men at sea would, would plumb the depths of the deep. And Tim, I always think, is Tim Morton here? I always think when we were scuba diving, snorkeling. Snor- yeah, not scuba diving. I would have never, I would have died that day probably. <laughs> uh, I'm, not, I'm not going that deep. But we were snorkeling in the, you know, in the crystal blue Caribbean, right? And we're out there, Tyler, Devin, uh, Trey, you were with us, weren't you? Little guy? Yeah, anyway, that's another story. Trey, so many good stories, me and Trey. Um, But, and and you're like so overwhelmed, and and we look down, remember? There was like a boat sunken at the bottom. I don't know if they put that in there for us, but it was like, let's go down and see it. And I'm like, you go down and see it. I'll just wave from up here. Jaws is down there. I'm staying close to the catamaran just in case. Plumb the depths. And down they went. Like a Wharton, right? Down they went. And like a McGregor with mother who was an apple, I interceded at the top. Tracy and I probably were still overcoming seasickness, right? Yeah, we have that wonderful gift. Uh, <laughs> so, get this. He not only, they not only know each other, but they know us like that. Um, it made me think, um, from Isaiah's point of view, where God says to him, you know, he names every star and there are as many galaxies as there are stars in our galaxy, and, and they haven't come to the end of it. There's no end to it. And, and even what Hubble's telescope has now captured, it, it goes way beyond that because the Hubble telescope hasn't captured it at all, but it's blown the minds of these brilliant men of what they've seen. And it reminds me of God saying, can you find anyone or anything to compare to me? Where is the one equal to me? Lift up your eyes to the sky and look for yourself. Who do you think created the cosmos? He lit every shining star, forms every glowing galaxy, stations them all where they belong. He's numbered them, counted them, given them a name. They shine because of his incredible power and his awesome might, and not one will fail. So let's be good stewards of our planet. Let's not junk and dump everything out. Let's take care of this beautiful place that God's given us. Amen? But with that said, fear not. It's not our world, it's his. It's his. The father knows the spirit. The spirit knows the father and the son the same. They know what our spirit is really thirsty for. In a Trinitarian perfect sense. And the Spirit is doing that in my heart when I'm mumbling and bumbling and fumbling in my prayer time. He's taking it somewhere supersized. You know why? Because he loves us that much. And you know why the one on the other side receives it? Because he loves us that much. Let's go on. David had a, had a lampstand awakening to this. He writes about it in Psalm 139. He says, he's amazed. He says, oh Lord, 
Oh Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. Five times the thought of you know comes up. Lord, you know. Isn't it comforting to know that he knows? He knows your heart. He says, I know, you know my heart. You know everything about me? You know when I sit down? You know when I stand up? That's pretty intimate knowledge, right? You know my far-off thoughts? One Greek, or I'm sorry, one Hebrew idea, and I lean this way, it says, it, it says you know my, my far-away thoughts like the, the squirrel, you, the, the, the scattered. You wish you could just stop. If you ever just wanted to stop your, if you're a think, you just want to stop your brain and just let it focus on something, it's like he's saying, God, when I'm like that, you can take all that, scrutinize it, t- toss it out. You know what I'm really thinking, what's really, you know that. You know, when I'm home, when I travel, you know if I'm home alone, you know if I'm in a nursing home, you know if I'm in a home for battered women, you, you know if I'm homeless. Everything I'm going to do, you know what I'm going to say before I say it. Have you ever gotten upset with somebody and you were going to say something to somebody else about it and someone inside of you said, don't say that. That's him. He knew. He knows. Then he also, I'm over here and I prayed for people and my, my chest's hurting today. And uh, it wasn't hurting and then it snowed and I did what I wasn't supposed to do. For my car needed cleaneth. And I found out that my doctor's word was true. Don't do that. You have about four more weeks to go. What's he know? And what I know is it hurt. And I actually said to God, Lord, I, I, I pray that while I pray for others, you pray for me. And, and a wonderful loving sister, I was getting ready to walk up, said, Pastor Tim, she heard the Lord and said, can I pray for your fractured chest? I said, absolutely. She said, can I touch it? Absolutely. (laughs) Lay your hands right on there, sister. You know what? I'm thankful. I'm thankful that Dustin heard today. I'm thankful. I didn't... (laughs) My sister said, hey, do we have any anointing oil? And I said, I would have, but I didn't know we were going to do that. And who cares if I don't know? We did. God wanted to do that. What does God want to say to you? Jesus came from this kind of intimacy inside the Father's heart, the darling of heaven. And we can only imagine the perfected, united bond of love between Father and Son for all eternity past that never began. He walks from that, becomes a human being to tell us that through faith in him, we can approach his father. When he comes out of the tomb, he says, go tell Peter and them that I'm ascending to my God and their God, my father and their father. So when he's preaching the Sermon on the Mount and he's talking about all these topics, he uses this father impression that he has that he's offering to everybody, regardless of where they've been or what they've done or not done, And he says, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees 
what is done in secret will what? Reward you. Reward you. You know, there are a lot of people in today's world, it just is, that the, when you talk of father, it triggers fears and sorrows and hurt of past growing up possibly where a father did not present that kind of love and you can feel out of that and the devil will assure you out of that that therefore you're second class sitting in the back of the bus. You'll never know God because your father's situation. Listen, here's what Jesus says. Whoever you are and however, whatever you've not had, you can experience what I have. You can experience in your heart what you maybe have never experienced in your home. That's who he is. Not only for you, but even for birds. Even for birds. Psalm 84 says, David says, Lord, even the sparrows have found a place near your altar to raise their young. Jesus knows that and he uses it to say this. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them. And he asks, are you not much more valuable than they? So we can bring our needs to the one who has absolutely already fallen in to supersize that. Okay, so there's two. There's the spirit himself in, the father, and then like father, like son. This is one of my favorite stories in the early ministry of Jesus. He has Peter, James, and John and Andrew brought those guys in, brought a couple of those guys in, and Philip, he went and, and finds Philip on his own. Philip could probably always say, hey, yeah, you came to him, but he came for me, the first one, not to brag or nothing. But, I mean, that's probably what I would do. But, um, but so Philip has a friend named Nathaniel. Goes and tell him, come and see, there's Jesus of Nazareth. What could he, right? So when he comes to meet Jesus, Jesus sees him coming and says, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. In other words, this guy approaching me, he's a stand-up guy. This guy coming here, he's not shady. This guy, there's a real honest guy approaching me right now. What he's really saying is, I'll tell you, I'll show you later how to explain. Here comes a true Israelite and there's no Jacob in him. How do you think he's, why, this is my theory. Don't start a denomination on it, but this is my theory. He says, how do you know me? He says, yesterday, before Philip called you, I saw you under the fig tree. And the response that Nathaniel has there, we'll get to it in a minute. It's the, it's, it's the proof to him that Jesus is the King of Israel, the Son of God, the Messiah. The fig tree doesn't mean that he was literally under a fig tree. Zechariah 3 says that when this Messiah comes and cleanses the world of sin in one day, that every man will invite his neighbor under his vine and fig tree. It's, a, it's imagery of, of coming into the presence of God, uh, of being somewhere in a place. The fig tree represented being in a place of meditation, contemplation, usually in prayer, usually with the scripture. And it's my theory that what really got at home with Nathaniel was perhaps when he was under the fig tree, he was reading the life of Jacob about the ladder that perhaps he was praying to God from that heart of no deceit. You see it all. I'm sick of this part of me. 
I need, I need someone to replace me, like Paul. I, 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 have, I have a heart for your law, but I, I see this other thing, and this, that's an honest heart. That's coming before God, a God-seeking people who worship him in spirit and in aletheia, reality, truth. Not like Bible verses of slam and bam, but reality, honesty, exposure, expression. God's seeking that. He says, here's a man like that coming to me. I saw you yesterday when you were contemplating Jacob, when you were asking for the Messiah to come down that ladder and, and, and be to Israel what we long for, what we need. And we're groaning, we're in distress of this emperor over us. That's what I think. He says, I saw you there. And that's all he needs. He said, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus says this. I love this. I love this. He says, you believe? I love this. You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. And then he refers to Jacob's dream. You will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man on me. Huh? In other words, he's saying, we're going to go there, boy. Just imagine if, if the grace that's like this with us, that gives us this kind of a light in our mind to approach God like that, instead of denying times of prayer, not because we don't need to pray, we don't know that God is looking for us to come to him like that, the way that my Graham Slam makes me feel when he walks in the room. He doesn't have to approach me in holiness and righteousness and deep theological solidity. Potch is enough for me. Juju went into her mom and dad's bedroom the other morning at 7 a.m. Savannah told me she crawled up in bed, leaned back on a pillow, and she said, call Potch. So all of a sudden, I get a FaceTime ring. Savannah is FaceTiming. I always want to hear. I feel the same way about my daughter now and my son now that I did the first time I saw her face. Hmm? And so I'm expecting Savannah to be on there, and I pop that baby open, and there's Juju looking at me. Hi, Potch. I just said, to, I said, thank God you still don't live in Pasadena because I wouldn't be able to handle it. 90 miles away is way better than... I remember when they moved back, I told my friend, I said, I feel like I need to be like one of the Old Testament guys and offer up a goat in the backyard and say, thank you, God, I can't... My heart is always there like that. They don't have to be anything. They are something. They're mine. Not mine, but, but well, they are. But they. And so when I see your kids going after God and I see Zorn going, show me your glory. So you know what? You know what? That's touching God's heart. And I see Sarah, Roy, your little baby girl over there just going, you know, what are you going to do with that? I, I'll tell you what, it melts me down. Look at all these kids. And he's already all in with them. You want to change the world? Volunteer for the nursery. You want to change the world? Serve and shine kids. That's where the world changers are being made. Listen, I said this to a buddy of mine that struggles with guilt and condemnation and, and uh, I said, you know, I was reading Luke 15. And they said, why, do, why does your master hang around with s s uh, sinners and eat with them? And he tells the story about the lost coin, the lost 
the lost uh, sheep, and then he talks about the lost boy. And what happens when the boy comes home? He has a, he has a spiel he's thought up he's going to say. You know, he feels bad about it, and he, he's, he's convinced that if he's lucky, his father will at least let him serve, in, you know, like the other slaves. So he's got that already, his, his image of that. But what's the image of the father, according to Jesus, who knows him? Before, while he's a long way off, his father's heart swells, sees him, has compassion, and his father starts running toward him. And when he gets there, the son is like father, and he, there he goes, uh, uh, forgive me, I'm a sinner, For, forgive me, my sin. how's the sinner's prayer thing go? Uh, he's, uh, I'll never do it again, I, Tim McGregor, I promise to play my whole life without ever watching TV again, and I will never, I, I promise, I'll never cuss, I'll never, blah, 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 blah. We call that a new converts class. Anyway, uh, promise you'll, you're dead already, dead in the water already. Let me tell you about his promises to you. That'll get you up out of the water. John the Baptist's fire will get you in it, and the lamb and the dove will bring you out. So here's the thing I said to my friend. Look at the image of the father toward us the first day we came in. And even the angels celebrate. I said, do you know what I think? It's hard for me to believe this, but the Holy Spirit, I think, is telling me this. Every day, if I'm 30 years in, he's never changed. When did he change that attitude toward me? When does, when does my FaceTime before God not get his heart going? There he is. How would it change your prayer life if you thought God couldn't wait to hear your voice in the morning? Even when you're not doing it right. Even after 30 years and you feel like you've repeated first grade 30 times. You're a 50-year-old man, but you're in children's church with God. What does he think? He's up there rolling his eyes. James says he never upbraids us like I've done to me and I've done to you and other of guys like me have done, and it's a reflection of we've not been perfected in love, neither of you. And Paul adds this in Romans 8. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died, not just theologically, but really. Yes, rather, who was raised and is at the right hand of the Father, and he is also doing what the Spirit's doing, hyper, all in, fall in, for us. So he asks the rhetorical question with knowledge of that, who then can separate us from the love of Christ? It's never changed. Robert Murray McShane, I think Dev posted this earlier in the week, that Scottish son of mine, or maybe it was Josh. Josh is in the family. Graham's already adopted him. And, and McShane says this. It's, I love this. Look at this. If I could hear Christ praying for me in the next room, I would not fear a million enemies. Here's the thing. The Holy Spirit in us is praying like that. And Christ is praying like that. And they're not trying to convince a stubborn, hard-hearted father 
who only wants to give us something off the clearance rack if we're good boys and girls. That's not. He who did not spare his own son while we were yet sinners, but gave him up for us all, shall he not also, along with him, they're on the same page, freely give us all things? Somebody's praying for you. What are they doing in these prayers? Who they are and what they do. They help and harmonize us with them. This verse we all know. And we know that God, I think three, the Trinity, we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined, got them on a path, and that path, he'll create environments on that path to conform us to the image of his son, that he would be the firstborn of many other born. So when you just take the verse, well, he just works out all things for good, it doesn't say that, and it doesn't say he causes all things. But in all things, for those who love him, for those who love him, He is harmonizing. The three of them are harmonizing together the will of God, which technically and precisely bullseye is to make you more like Jesus, to make me more like Jesus, to make our son more like his son, and to make our daughter create the nature of his son in her, and on and on. When we take that verse out of context and we don't link it to the 26th and 27th where our cooperation is involved with the Spirit. It's in this prayer that we're in the Trinitarian bond of prayer as we're growing with God. It's not just like we just go our merry way and, you know, uh, a guy named Hank, you know, he's uh, not living for God or he was living for God. He's just still calling his own shots. And so he's out at the thing and he's taking some shots, came on a motorcycle. He w- wasn't taking his shots before the motorcycle. Uh, b- yeah, before, yeah. And now he, he's been there, parked his cycle. He's taking a bunch of shots. On his way there, the, the spirit said, you know, you, you probably shouldn't. But he's blowing right through that with Bible knowledge in his mind. And he's blowing right through that. He didn't listen like Dustin just listened. Didn't listen like, didn't listen. And he, on his way, And so he takes his shots, gets on his cycle, goes down the road, wrecks, loses his leg, and someone comes along and says, hey, God works all things out for good. Well, listen, God can work good in that, but he didn't want that. And if Hank would have been in 26 and 27, now I was in 26 and 27 when that lamppost jumped out in front of me. There are things that happen, and we don't, well, there you go. If I would have been praying, uh, well, if I would have been. But anyway, I don't know. What, may, knowing me, I was probably praying and instead of looking. But uh, who knows? Stupid. God doesn't necessarily anoint stupid, but I know that's true. Out of mercy. So, you know, Hank's, ba- it's like basically, hey, I don't know. Know it for nothing, but you know, there's something there about God works all things for good. It doesn't say God works all things for good. It says in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. That's what it says. Not do what you want and he's going to go, hey, don't, don't worry about it. 
we three have it all taken care of. That's not what it says. They harmonize. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He creates environments so that environment will create in me what he once created in me, the image of his son. They harmonize. I, I, uh, I just read the other day a work by a musical professor with a PhD in music theory. He was writing a piece about the great Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys. Um, I hope you've listened to Brian Wilson's music, whether you like the Beach Boys or not. Uh, Henry Tozer wrote this piece. uh, It's called The Harmonic Language and Tonal Organization Within the Songs of Brian Wilson. Please give me a minute while I nerd out on this. Um, uh, Brian Wilson, has the he's known within pop music from the 60s to now as a genius in the circles of pop music because he had the ability to uh, take these unconventional techniques and and pivot songs that he was writing on with chord structures and modulations in most remarkable ways. It would take your breath away. And if you listen to them, you can hear that. He could even arrange vocal patterns to lead into these pivot chords that would just astound people, like in God Only Knows and in Surf's Up and in Wouldn't It Be Nice and I Just Wasn't Made for These Times and Being the Nerd I Am. Even like Wouldn't it be nice? Just the first couple seconds of the melodic intro, I have to listen to that five or six times before going into the song because it just blows my mind. It's a very poor uh, illustration of what the masterful God does, but just to to make the point, there there are people, Paul and John could do that. There were were just people. There was like a B-flat seventh chord they'd throw in 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 the middle eighth that would just make you go, that's why they're different than everybody else. That's the point. Jesus was different than everybody else, no? And what we're getting at in this is in the midst of all of the stuff that we're struggling with, the tests, the trials, the struggles, the temptations, the, the hard times, the good times, all these times, the dreams, the visions, the praise, the prayer, the struggles, the temptations, the fallings, the getting ups and all that, in the midst of all that, and we don't know what to say and pray, we have the Spirit in us falling all in, supersizing into the, into the, into the, in the coordination with the Father's heart and the Son's heart. To make our lives, no matter what we're in, the light of God shines where others go, only God. Only God could be making this kid's life stay on course. Do you know what that kid's been through? Do you know what that man's been through? Do you know what that woman's facing? What? Listen to the chord patterns of her life. If you set your love on him. You wouldn't be here if you didn't set your love on him. Well, Isaiah 45, God says this. He's talking about this crazy world they were living in. The Babylonian uh, uh, invasion, and they're off for 70 years in no man's land, and where's God, and where are the promises? And during that time, Isaiah says this, God says, listen, I don't have it up there, but listen, ask me about the things to come concerning my sons, and you will commit to me the work of my hands. So he's like saying, if you knew my intentions... Regardless of what isn't yielding, regardless of what isn't turning around, regardless of you not feeling it, regardless of the mysteries more than the answers, 
Ask me about the future intentions in your life, in your son's life. I am committed to making it work for my will in your life and commit to me the work of my hands. Come before God in prayer with all of that mystery and all of that struggle. And we have to know this as we go up the road, pull this up and out. Somebody's praying for me. You all can stand. As we travel ahead, last thing, I want to, I want to repeat this, the last thing. I, I pray that the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord will quicken in each one of us this, this new idea, paradigm of what has always been real. We are within. God wants us to be in the Trinitarian bond of protection. So if we're not, get in it. If you're not, what do you do? Jesus said, I'm the door. Anyone hears my voice? Any, 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 any sheep hear, hears, hears my voice? And, and they go toward it, come through the door. They will go in and they will go out and they'll find pasture. They'll find safety. He's the door. How, so how do you get in it? It's simple. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord, that's, Je- that's Jesus, you, you will be saved. God does the God part. We just do the yes part. We don't have to come up with this. He knows the guy on the cross. He didn't know how to pray. He didn't, he didn't claim the, he didn't know all this stuff to say. He said, Lord, I, I'm nailed here. I, I can't make you, I'm dying. Just remember me when you come into your kingdom. He says, today, today. So that's how you come in. In a minute, we'll pray that. But if we're in, I pray, I pray that the Lord today, hallelujah, from the very start, Lord, you've been here. You've set this whole day up. You knew, you set it all up. You, you, can, you can just, you just know, we just know. You're standing in the midst of us today. You've opened our eyes you, you've taken scales away. Activate and quicken and establish this truth in us. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would make a circle of fiery warmth and welcome in this sanctuary for your children. And for those who have never come in before, that they would feel they're being drawn with cords of the loving kindness of the Lord by the power of the gospel spirit of God spirit of God make this a house of prayer as you long for it to be and teach us to become joyful as you promised I will make you joyful in the house of prayer so friend Make a space just for a few minutes where you are standing or if you want to uh, be seated uh, or whatever. But I'll tell you, there, there, like earlier, but there is a lot of space up here. Um, there's a lot of space up here. Um, my prayer for me and for you as, as an under-shepherd, uh, by his mercy and grace to steward, uh, and, and as a person, his, his shepherding hand, 
my prayer is that there would be a quickening of the Holy Spirit all through this sanctuary. Anyone that's listening now or weeks to come, whenever, if it just comes across that you, you come across this in the time of God, that he would quicken in your spirit, man, a, a, a light. A light would go on regarding who the Father is, who the Spirit is in you, and who Jesus is. And that you would be able to, along with me, have the grace to exchange a burdensome, barren prayer life of which Satan is always ragging over your head about. And you'd be set free from that today. You would be emancipated from that entire idea. It's not God. He didn't give it to you. Somebody cut in on you, just like the Galatians, and put you under a spell of an image of God that isn't him. And the new image is the real one. The father who is always feeling the same about their son and the daughter. And that prayer would become a place of rest, of repose, renewal, refreshing in him. Lord, I just I ask you to release that over this room. I ask you to release that over every person. You give people the spirit of wisdom and understanding and the knowledge of that. They'd be filled with overflow in the fullness of God. I pray that this week would begin a week of, of looking forward to spending time with you. Looking forward to that as you look forward to us. I just pray that would release over this place, over these people, over me, over us. And as we worship, as we gather, as we sit before you, as we kneel before you for a few minutes, that you do that here and for those watching at home and for those listening, Jesus' name.